Before we start the show, I just wanted to reach out and say that if you are loving listening to The Truth Prescription as much as we are loving making it, please subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button. Rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and iHeartRadio, to name a few. And come check us out at www.thetruthprescription.com to get more insights and info, because the truth will set you free if you let it. Every creation, everything that I'm experiencing in my world, in my purview, is my responsibility. That all the terrible things that are happening are not happening to me, they're happening for me. And so when I can take responsibility for everything, even the things that I don't want to take responsibility and own it, that truth, the, the, the experience of living my life in that area of truth yeah. is like magical. I, I don't know how else to describe that. Gentlemen and ladies, brothers and sisters, people, whoever you are and wherever you are, welcome to the Truth Prescription Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sekou Gavis, and each week I interview successful people from around the world and discuss how accepting the truth can propel your career and help you live a life of gusto and purpose. No mantras, no gimmicks, just the truth. So close your eyes and open your ears, and let's get into this. Come on. Good people, welcome back. Great episode today. I had a really delightful conversation with Marla Madison and Julian Coker. They are relationship experts. They're actually partners in business, love, and life. And we talked about a whole range of things, but more, most specifically, we really got into the process that one can go through if they want to get close in their relationship. We talked about what intimacy really is, actually. What is it? And we talk about the five realms of intimacy. Julian talked about his truth, which he realized that how and why he's 100% responsible for his life and what that means. And Marla talked about how she deals with negative voices and how it's actually helped her become a better, a better partner in her relationship. And that's that. Um, Action-packed. Sit back, relax, and uh, take a listen. This was a good one. Good people, welcome back to another episode of the Truth Prescription Podcast. And today, I have the pleasure of interviewing Miss Marla Madison and Julian. Julian, what's your last name? Croker. Julian Coker. Coker. And her partner, Mr. Julian Coker. Um, Really excited. Had a nice conversation with Marla a year and change ago. And now Julian is on the scene to uh, give his masculine perspective that is needed. <laughs> they work together and um, not just study, but practice intimacy, which I think is, is, is really important. Well, first thing, Marla, why don't you give the listeners an update, the, the ones that have listened to the last interview, what you've been doing since then and how Julian is now sort of in the mix and, you know, what you guys are doing now. Oh my goodness, so much has happened since then. Yeah. <laughs> well, first, we're so honored to be here yeah. to talk with you. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. For sure. You know, we just really enjoy you as a human and as a podcaster and just, you know, everything you're doing in the world. So that's just 
priority number one. Okay. <laughs> Appreciate <laughs> and, that. I'm humble. Yeah. And so, you know, kind of rewinding a little bit, Julian's actually been part of the business for about four years. And so we've been yep. business, love and life partners for quite some time. And in the last year or so, we've gone on a tremendous deep dive into personal transformation even more intensely than ever before. And yep. both of us, separately and together. And so, you know, couples who go through transformation work together, stay together, <laughs> you know, and we go, we've gone into some very interesting realms. We've been guided by other people. We have gone through uh, week-long immersions. We take time to really talk out the things that we're learning and, and discuss things and, you know, quibble about things and get into a little like, well, wait, what does this mean to you? What does it mean to me? And really kind of getting in there. And a, a, a very dear friend of ours recently asked me personally, Marla, where did your ambition go? That's an odd question. Yeah, because the ambition used to be more outwardly directed, you know, for career and whatnot. And honestly, my ambition has gone very deep into self-knowledge, self-awareness, self-awakening, looking at all the places I lie to myself internally, tell myself stories about Julian and life and, and the world and uncovering those things. So we're, we're at a really wonderful place where that's just the fabric of our foundation is that deep inner vision and looking and doing it together. So I'd say that's the... Would you agree with that? I would absolutely <laughs> agree. I mean, it's the it's the places that we're out of integrity. And then when we're willing to look at those places and then do something about it differently to get yourself in integrity, that's the work. Those are those times where you 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 hit the wall of like, oh man, am I gonna face off against this thing right here? Or am I gonna turn and do something different? <laughs> and you face off against it and you sit into the the pocket of the truth which is what this this podcast is all right. about, right? Accepting the truth. Yeah. And when you can yeah. accept the truth about yourself, no matter how challenging or difficult it may be, and then you're able to yeah. bring that truth to your partner and your partner is doing their own work on discovering the truth about themselves. And then together in union, you guys can can really, really make, uh, what's the word? I Leaps mean, magic. Bounds. Yeah. Really magic happens. Yeah, magic. There's yeah. no other word, really. It's it's magical what, what happens when two people are doing the work independently and then two people are doing the work together. Yeah. It's interesting. Relationships are, quote unquote, about commitment. But it's really interesting to hear you both talk about being committed individually to your own work and then how that commitment feeds into the commitment in the relationship. That's beautiful. Oh, yeah. Thank you. So as, as my listeners know, the, the show is essentially about, as you so eloquently stated, tackling truth. We tend to ignore it because it's something that doesn't feel good. It's not comfortable. I think if we tackle it and we, as you said, do something different, that's when we can have our breakthroughs. So to start off, I always like to give you guys an opportunity, give my guests an opportunity to discuss. Now, you guys can talk about something in your relationship or you each can discuss something just in your own personal work where there was a truth that you were possibly ignoring or weren't aware of. Right. Because sometimes that happens. And then once you accepted it, what happened? What was the breakthrough? Oh, me, me. I want to go, go first. first? Okay. <laughs> and you're, you guys are good storytellers. So just you know, ladies give the first. listeners a great story. Absolutely. Ladies first. Oh, I think I think the the lady listeners are going to uh, relate to this one uh -oh. possibly, and actually probably every human. So I, over the course of the last year or so, 
have become hyper aware in a very loving way of this tone of voice that I get when I am being very unkind or unpleasant in life, like towards myself, towards Julian, or just towards anyone, towards Julian's daughter, very minimally there, but because I'm really aware because I don't want to recreate any, you know, unhealthy patterns as much as possible. And it's so painful, the moments of awareness where you realize, oh, there's the tone of voice. There it is. And usually, I got to be honest, it usually comes not from the inside, the awareness. It comes from my loving, dedicated partner mm. who knows that I'm dedicated toward, to my own personal growth, reflecting for me very objectively, hey, would you be willing to be a little more kind with your tone? Mm. Or holding up what we call the mirror and he'll, he'll just very lovingly, you know, <laughs> point to the mirror and show me that you to me, you'll show me the mirror of there's something in my somethingness that I need to take a look at. And okay. it's an invitation, right? And so that tone of voice that I get is my mom, my dad, my family lineage. It's all of the shoulds and the condescending and all of that. And so becoming more and more aware of my own negativity as it gets expressed out specifically towards Julian has been a painful and beautiful process, cracking into my own vulnerability and empathy for myself and love for our relationship. And it's, it's been very transformative and it's not gone. The tone still lives on. <laughs> and yet when it arises, instead of hating it now, now I, I greet it with a different type of curiosity, which is like, ooh, I wonder why it's there. What's underneath the tone? Sure. What's happening under the surface that is causing me to respond this way? And that's where the work actually begins. At, right after awareness, then what do you do with that awareness? So that's, for me, I think the biggest when I was when I was a kid, oh, I, it, when we all were kids, because I think we're all around the same age, there was that a GI Joe at the end. It would say, you know, now you know, and no one's have to battle, right? <laughs> so <laughs> the other half, GI <laughs> Joe, great American hero. The other half, to your point, Marl, is doing something about it, and that's where the real work starts. Before you talk, Julian, I'll just give a quick story about my own challenge with this. I've been finding to a voice that's been um, critical, self-critical, and then also critical of others, but kind of in a, I call it a, a sly way or an intellectual way or a sarcastic way. And really feeling, what am I feeling in those moments, you know, right before I say it, or maybe that day, like, you know, really trying to get in my body. And that usually helps me deconstruct and through the feeling really what's really going on there, right? And so um, that's kind of a beginning of what you're talking about, where it's the work that begins after the awareness. That's perfect. It's perfect. For me, I think the biggest truth is that I am 100% responsible for everything in my life. Like when I had the real understanding that every creation, everything that I'm experiencing in my world, in my purview, is my responsibility, that all the terrible things supposedly terrible things that are happening are not happening to me. They're happening for me. 
And so when I can take responsibility for everything, even the things that I don't want to take responsibility for, that I want to blame others and like say I got nothing to do with me, I didn't do anything. But when I have the courage to actually take responsibility and own it, that truth, the, the, the experience of living my life in that area of truth yeah. is like, like I said earlier, magical. I, I don't know how else to describe that feeling of just like freedom to to be. Yeah. And it's interesting, right? Because when do we learn that? Because we grow up basically with all these buffers and support systems that kind of hold us and coddle us from our parents to schools to even to a point society. So there's a real deep down feeling. And I'll talk to myself about myself, you know, wanting to be taken care of by some external thing. And it's like when you realize, wait a minute, no, I, <laughs> I'm actually need to take care of my own self and manage my own life and be responsible that this person is, is not responsible for me. I'm responsible for myself. It really ups your, I, I guess I'll call it a maturity, you know, just, just your level of just human maturity it really ups it. And I'm, I'm really glad you said that because uh, it's, a, it's an important point. Often people don't even want to, to begin to take responsibility unless they're doing really deep, deep inquiry into their own, their own essence, or there's a huge trauma. Some, sometimes a big trauma will show up and it's a catalyst for us to really begin to take full responsibility for everything in our lives. Right. Because yeah. you asked, where do we learn this? We don't learn this except through trauma, chaos, drama, stress, right. world events, circumstances, right. right? We don't really learn how to go inside and how to really excavate what's true for us and how to take responsibility for your life, your thoughts, your emotions, your actions, everything yeah. around you. We don't do that. And it's not until you really get curious enough about your own self and your own motives and where those motives even came from and what they were built on and what those foundations were. And, you know, and you go back through the lineage of your own lineage, of your cultural lineage, of the humanity lineage, you know, and what we've done to piece all this together to where we are now. If you don't go back through all of that, then you just think that what you think is the way it is. Right. What you think is what you think. Right. <laughs> and it's not. Ignorance. That's just ignorance. <laughs> You don't know what you don't know. Right. Which is like, man, that is so huge. Like so many of us are walking around and we just don't know what we don't know. And it's, it's tough. It's tough. You said something important that I want to highlight for the listeners that a lot of our learning and growing comes out of all these tragedies that happen to us. And um, it's so when a tragedy happens, it's so easy to feel victimized. And to your point, these are usually the things that push us, right? Because if everything is utopian, then what's our motivation to grow? There is none, <laughs> right? We just live in this candy-coated world where everything comes to us. And, you know, so that's so critical. So I'm going to start with a really basic question that I think we can really get deeply into. What is intimacy? You know, what, is intimacy? what is intimacy? I don't know if people really understand what intimacy is, right? Is it a kiss? Is it rough sex? Is it, you know, sitting next to each other, reading a book? Is it a conversation? What's intimacy? What does that mean? Okay. Are you ready for your mind to be blown <laughs> <Okay>. right now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, I am actually. <laughs> intimacy is how much truth you can receive without any layers in between you and another human. That's intimacy. 
we could call your podcast the intimacy podcast, the intimacy prescription. I mean, you know, but people would misunderstand it because they they align intimacy with sex. And sex is one aspect. And even it's a it's really one of the smallest aspects of intimacy. We we talk about the five realms of intimacy. There are actually nine realms, but the five main realms are intellectual intimacy, emotional intimacy, physical intimacy, which is sexual and non-sexual, spiritual intimacy, and financial intimacy. And so, I mean, even if you just took financial intimacy, right, between you and you, do you open your bills every month? Do you look at the interest rate? Are you aware of your finances? Are you planning for now and the future? What, are, what is your intimacy level between you and you with your finances? Same thing, you and your partner. How much transparency is there? Do they have access to all your accounts? How many layers are in between you and your partner regarding financial intimacy? So it's kind of fascinating when you look at intimacy as how many layers are there in between you and the thing or person that you want to be intimate with. Intimate meaning no layers in between. It's so clear. Crystal. <laughs> I mean, it's I've never heard that definition, but it feels so right. It feels so right. For the folks listening, I really hope you take that in. Because it, and and especially the five and 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 if you, I'm sure work with them or re, re, you know later on read deeper into what they do, they'll get into the nine. But those five things are just basically like your whole life, right? Everything you just described—that's <laughs> that's our, right. our whole life, you know, yes. from 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 soup and to nuts. Julian and I work with visionaries. We work with people, individuals. Sometimes they're in relationship, and sometimes they're not. We work with individuals who have a strong vision to bring out to the world. It could be to uplift humanity. It could be to bring a product to market that is going to benefit humans. We, we only work with people who want to help uplift all. And if they don't have access to their own intimacy between themselves and their vision, being intimately woven with direct connection from source to to themselves, then they're missing out on the intimate connection that they can have with their own vision. And that's really the first place to start because how many layers are there between you and your vision, right? Like the thoughts, can I do this? Can I not do this? All of the chaos that goes on in the mind when you're really just here to channel something in and bring it out into the world. You see, so the intimacy conversation is really about removing those layers, dissolving those layers, loving those layers into the truth, which is they don't actually exist. They only exist in our mind. So let's just compress them so that we can actually experience each other in an intimate way. Yeah. Intimacy is so scary for people. Why do you think that is? Intimacy is scary for people because intimacy is all about trust and about the truth. Yeah. And like you, like, you know, people are, are not wanting to, to look face to face at the truth. It's a scary thing. If you don't, like you said, we're not taught how to handle these, these intense situations. And until we are taught how to either by, you know, working with a mentor or a coach to co help guide you through some of these terrains, you know, you're kind of left on your own to figure it out or whatever your family has gifted you with and often. <laughs> <laughs> Our don't have the best the best tools and tactics to deal with these these difficult issues. Right. So it's so important to really, really go seeking out 
people who have been through the places that you'd like to go to. Yeah. So mentoring is, is super important. And like I said, you know, trust, trusting yourself is one of the biggest issues about intimacy that people are kind of afraid of. Cause sure. if, if you trust yourself and you can trust another, then everything is right in the world. There is no right and wrong. And when there's distrust and you start to mistrust yourself by breaking your word to yourself or breaking your word to your partner, then everything kind of feels like it's it's not quite in alignment and it feels off. Right. And when it's off, you can't, as she said, you can't really get those messages and cleanly put those things out into the world. It's an right. interesting point that I talk about sometimes where I say as above, so below, meaning the macro and the micro are usually very similar, right? So if you're, I don't know, you tend to wear tight clothes, just making up something crazy. There's somewhere else in your life where you're putting, you're doing something that's ill-fitting also. Yes. This is kind yes. of the concept, right? Yeah, yes. I really believe in this. I've seen it in my life. And I think it's hard for people to grasp it unless they've experienced it. But if you pay attention, folks that are listening, if you pay attention, you'll start to see patterns in your life where things that appear disparate are actually all over the place. You know? Yes. If you were going to hire an expert to help you with intimacy and communication, would you hire your family? Would you hire your parents for that? I'm pretty sure I would not hire my, I love my parents dearly. I would not hire my parents for that. But this is basically what we do. If you don't go out and seek out other training, you literally are like, I'm just good with my parents, what my parents taught me based on what my parents' parents taught them and, and they taught them. It's like, What's going on here? Get a book. You know, go. There's so many phenomenal resources out there to learn about intimacy and to learn about how to be honest with yourself and how to really have these conversations. Because when you think about the bedroom, you know, if you're really thinking about intimacy in the bedroom, if you are not practicing intimate communication by asking for what you want outside of the bedroom, yes. then it's highly unlikely you're going to suddenly be amazing <laughs> at asking for what you want in the bedroom. Right. So it's a training ground. It's like, okay, I have my clothes on. You have your clothes on. <laughs> Would you be willing to help me take out the trash? You know, I mean, <laughs> right. and then be willing to hear a no, not right now, sweetheart. Right. And that's the same thing in the bedroom. If you're not willing to play around and be in that messy middle spot, you know, and hear a yes or a no from your partner. I mean, it's so vulnerable to ask for what you want and then to have someone say no, you know, but that's what builds resilience and like, no, okay, cool. How about this? No, okay, how about this? And you know, it's like when you do have a willing partner and they are willing to say no when it's really truly a no for them, that's also honesty. And being willing, willing to hear a no from your partner in all the intimacy realms is part of growing your resilience to receiving the truth and, and dissolving those layers in between. I've got a quick funny story about having your, you know, using your parents as, uh, <laughs> as training uh, <laughs> teachers. My parents got divorced when I was 15, somewhere leading up to their divorce. My mother says to my father, you know, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm growing and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a lot of things and I feel like we're growing apart. I'd like to talk to you about it. <laughs> he tells her, "Don't worry about this relationship. Uh, it's nothing. Nothing's gonna happen to. I'll take care of it." <laughs> that was that was his response to her request, right? Wow, wow. And he's like, you know, he's older, and but pretty much that's kind of his thing. You know, that's 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 his way. And so, t 
totally that's, not the the approach at all. Your partner comes to you. That's the fix it response. Yes. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. Don't worry. That's a very you, traditional You don't worry response. about this relationship. I, I, I'm not going to let anything happen to it. What? That's <laughs> <laughs> like, how, how are you going to do that? <laughs> right. Right. Are you in control of my body and mine as well as yours? I mean, I just... It's it's funny, but it's not funny. Anyway, they and that's why they got divorced. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! All right, what else can we talk about? Um, oh, you know what? Let's talk about process a little bit. Last time we talked, you were talking about the method you use is basically like you used a little bit of like neuro, re, you know, rewiring neural pathways. I don't know if you're still doing that with Julian on board now. How do you guys work together and and help someone through these these processes? Awesome. One of our favorite things to help people do is to redo certain situations that they've shown up where they don't really like how they've shown up. Mm. So this is what it looks like. It's a technique where you basically go to your partner and you say, hey, sweetheart, I really didn't enjoy how I showed up that last moment. X, Y, Z, fill in the blank. Are you willing to, to do a redo with me? Yes. And so what I then do is I then show up in a way that I want to show up in the best way possible. So now in the brain, we're rewiring the situation with a positive outcome, leaving a positive taste in our mouth as we go about our days. So our brains are remembering the positive uh, interaction versus that negative one that we deleted and that we're redoing. And what that does is it allows you to redo all, and you can also do redo situations from a long time ago, 10 years ago, 10 years ago. Mm. And it allows Take ownership and responsibility, 100% responsibility of the way that you showed up, acknowledging and having the awareness that you didn't like the way that you showed up and that you'd like an opportunity to show up in a different way. And you get consent when he says, are you willing to do a redo with me? And if I say yes, that means I'm all in. It doesn't mean I'm going to be like, okay, let's see what you bring now. You know, it's like, (laughs) no, uh, when I say yes to a redo, that means we're both going to redo it together. Instead of feeling separate, we're going to feel together. And then, like Julian said, when we both remember the incident, it started off really awful and then ended with us feeling more deeply connected. And that's why it rewires the brain, because the end memory is positive. And so when you remember it, it ends on a positive note. And we really usually only remember like the end and the beginning and that's it. And so, you know, when when all is said and done and maybe one memory in the middle. That's the real beauty of the redo. We actually have a PDF on that. We're happy to send that to you so you can have it uh, for your listeners. Perfect. Yeah, please send it. It reminds me, you know, they, and and I've experienced this, they say that you never really remember necessarily what people say, but you remember how they made you feel. And that's kind of, I think, how we're programmed. I love this technique. It's almost like, um, you know, coming from, uh, I've done some acting it's almost like rehearsing scenes, right? That's exactly you, you, right. You, you're just, you're just, you're just working the scene, and um, the game. <laughs> you might as well have fun with it, because it's right. As an actor, you know, it's like that's actually what we say. Just be a little bit of an actor. Bring your smiley self, your open heart, your sparkly eyes to and reenact the exact same scenario as best as you can. Like we had an incident that we call the blowout that was in a car. Okay, it had nothing to do with fire blowout. It had to do with us fighting. Okay. okay. And so we had a blowout a few years ago. We still call it the blowout (laughs) and um, lovingly now in the moment. Everything is just so intense and you you sort of like can't get a hold of yourself. The wave of 
anger and frustration and emotion just takes over. And we go through that from time to time. And, and it's then, not your fault. It's your biology. Your biology is literally hijacked to your brain and your prefrontal cortex is no longer online. And you're now in fight, flight and freeze. And your lizard reptilian brain is online and working things. And so you're not able to make clear decisions. This is not the time that you want to open up your heart and be vulnerable. That's no. not the time, no. right? That's not the time. Those chemicals are dropping and you have no control anymore. Yeah. But if you want to do a redo on an old situation, which about a year and a half after that situation, Julian and I did a, a formal redo. Wow. And we weren't driving. Okay. We were sitting in chairs and, you know, Julian was pretending to drive. <laughs> and I was sitting in the passenger seat and we redid the scenario and it had really beautiful, uh, a really beautiful outcome where I felt really heard and he understood something different than he didn't at that time. And, you know, it just healed things on a deeper level, even a year and a half later. Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, I think when each person is committed to healing and committed to the commitment, it makes things so much better. I, you're make, you guys are making me think about a conversation I had just yesterday with one of my relatives who's really thinking, they're thinking about getting a, a divorce. And, you know, they've been married almost 20 years and they're stuck from a, I, I believe, from a blow up that happened like 12 years ago. They're just stuck. And I feel like one person is maybe committed, the other one is it. How would you approach that situation? You know, where where one person is kind of, wants to self, you know, analyze and, and, and wants to have a, a flourishing relationship and the other person is just kind of stuck in anger. That uh, we're, we're dealing with a, a couple with that exactly right now, actually. It's, it's, it's a very challenging situation because if both partners can't find their way to be all in, to, to heal what needs to be healed, then it will come apart. And so the idea is how do you get from feeling like you're separate from each other to feeling like you are in it together? And the fastest way to do that is with actually a series of the venting techniques that we have, which is very simply, one partner is the scribe and they're doing the writing and that's the partner that's receiving the vent. And the other partner is actually just sharing and venting off the top of their head. Mm. The idea is the person writing has like an energetic hazmat suit on, right, like nothing right. off a duck's back, right. you know, all of the metaphors you want to use, yeah. but like they're not taking anything on. Hard. They're not taking yes. personally. They're observing. They're going, wow, curiosity. Oh, wow, that too. Okay, interesting. And they're just bullet point writing it all down. You don't have to look at each other while it's happening. You don't sidebar conversations. One person just says, are you available for me to vent? And the other person says, yes. And then they get a pen and paper and they go, I'm ready. And then the person vents and they share what needs to be shared mm. and they just write. And the person writing might need to say, pause. I just need you to pause for one second. And then they continue. And, you know, and then when this person feels complete, then the person writing is just asked, do you feel complete? Well, there's a couple more things. Okay, great. I'm just going to keep writing. Okay. And eventually you get to the place where you feel like you've dumped it all out. Some right. of it is about the kids. Some of it is about other people. And eventually you get to dump out all the things you're angry about. You've been hiding resentment over. Mm. You've been keeping separate and haven't said out loud because you haven't wanted to disturb it and whatever. You just get it all out. And then the person that was writing reads back the words exactly as they were written 
to the partner. So what I'm hearing you say is you're angry that I never do the dishes. You're upset that I always leave all my things all over the floor. You're upset that you run this whole house and nothing else ever gets done. You're upset, you know, and you just read it. And just remember, listeners, it takes practice because you're going to be listening to your partner saying all these things about you and to be able to sit there and take dictation without taking anything on personally or reacting or responding and getting into a side conversation. That's the work. That's the challenge. And so it takes practice. You know, if you do this exercise and you find yourself falling off, that's okay. Pick yourself up. Do it again. You know, we we really um, believe and teach growth over comfort hashtags that we promote hashtag growth over comfort like you have to be willing to step out of that comfort zone because growth doesn't happen there because we're more dedicated to the truth than comfort that's why that is why so it's more important to me to hear all of the things that julian is resentful about than it is that we just shove it under the carpet And so with a couple like what you're talking about, if one person feels so much resentment that they're wanting to leave, then if that person can vent those things out and have those things be reflected back so they feel heard, this is the one thing that most of us don't get in childhood. We don't feel heard. Our parents say, oh, well, you don't need to feel bad. Or, you know, especially when, you know, when I grew up, it's like feeling heard is one of the number one things that binds couples together. If you feel heard by your partner and you feel witnessed by your partner, then they allow so much more room for, you know, well, okay. You didn't, you benefited. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So this is the process. If you do this on a daily basis with your partner and just listen to the vent, if they've been stacking up vent, you know, like resentment for 20 years, let them have a full week. of you just vent it all out. How about more? How about more? How about more? And the person writing just practices, like Julian said, not take anything personally, be in your universal heart. Remember, this is the person you chose to be with that you love and you care about and you want to hear what they have to say. And take 100% responsibility for your your role in this situation. Correct. In the co-creation of it. And then there's a path through. But one person that's feeling all the resentment needs to be able to get all that off their chest first and be heard before they can step forward into resolution. Right. Or before they can switch roles and allow the other person to to vent as well. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I could see, man, I could see how difficult that would be to put on the hazmat suit. I would say for the listeners, you could maybe practice pretending you're hearing it from a stranger in the beginning just so it doesn't make it as personal. Even from a child, you know, you can use your imagination, just be like, I'm imagining my sweetheart as their five-year-old self. How can I be angry with a five-year-old? This is what's happening for them. This is what the sum total of our relationship is currently. And that's okay. Don't make it wrong. It's just the first step into that deeper intimacy, because this is a combination of emotional intellectual and spiritual intimacy when you practice the venting technique. Right. And also I think just because someone says something doesn't mean it's the truth necessarily, but it's their truth. And so because of that, it should be respected. Like if somebody says, Oh, you've been an asshole the entire time. We, I'm, I'm mad because you've been an asshole the entire time we've been married. That's probably not the truth. Right. right. Nobody's an asshole hundred percent right. of the time, unless you're a serial killer. But other than that, <laughs> 
it's probably not true. But so that's what happens with the ego because the ego wants to, you know, make us right. So when someone says something that we feel is wrong, it, it could cause us to sort of fall down, <laughs> as Julian said. So when we pick ourselves up, I think just taking in what they say with the loving understanding that, hey, this is what they're feeling and that's real. Whether or not what they're saying is true or not is is another thing. But think that's important and I've I've without knowing this technique I mean I've used that in my own relationship where sometimes my wife will say stuff to me and I'm like in my head I'm like but that's not none of that was my intention at all zero I know myself I know my intention but it's her experience is real and so I have to respect that and listen to it and so yeah it's important communication man communication you hit on something really important there which is is true for her or it's true for him or it's true for them. It's not necessarily your truth, but if you're not willing to hear someone else's truth, literally the person you care about the most on the planet, other than yourself, right? Your partner, if you're not willing to hear their truth, then how are we ever going to have conversations with people outside of our intimate relationship to hear other truths that are not the same as yours? How? impossible. And you can absolutely acknowledge somebody else's truth without validating that truth. Yes. Sure. Sure. Which is sure. super important. Like I hear what you're saying. I may not agree with everything that you have to say, but I hear what you're saying. Right. And I respect it. And I respect it. Yeah. Because I respect you. Yes. And then sort of the next step is let me know when you're in a place that you'd like to hear what happened from my perspective because I fully understand where you're at. I understand how you would think that and why you came to that conclusion. And I had a totally different experience. And so (laughs) if you wanna hear my experience, you know, once you feel fully heard, I'm available for that. And then you can share, hey, my intention was never to hurt or harm you. It never is. And I unintentionally hurt or harmed you. And so therefore I wanna take responsibility for that and period the end. And I want to tell you what my intention was. My intention was actually X, Y, and Z. And that way you can get a a broader understanding of who you each are as individuals and how differently you receive the world. And then it's an intimate conversation. Right. Perception is reality, right? Everybody sees the world differently. And again, their truth may not be the truth, but it's true to them. (laughs) So amazing. Okay. I feel like we can continue to talk, but I, I'm gonna we're gonna jump into the the second section of the show, which is yes or BS. So I make a statement, either you guys can answer or both can answer, and then you say yes or BS, and then you can explain or expound on why you okay, this is believe fun. that. All right, let's do it. Let's do this. Number one, the quarantine has brought people closer. I'd say yes. Both. Yeah. I would say both. I would say both. yes and BS. There's a lot of divorce. There's a yes. lot of divorces happening. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about it. Yes. Yes. Especially for that reason, because and this is actually what we do with with couples specifically. Well, with everyone, we time collapse. We help them collapse time. So any something that would normally take a year or ten years will take a week or a month. And so what we do is we bring everything to a head very quickly. We go right down to the root of the issues so that they don't have to spend 10 years in therapy or they don't have to spend 10 years trying to figure out what's going on. They can do it very quickly in 30 days. And so the quarantine, 
the quarantine has been a pressure cooker for people <laughs> to kind of do a little bit of a the work that we do, right. which is, hey, let's bring everything to a head right now. And that the piece that's missing, of course, is the guidance. But it certainly creates the container where you can't just run away. You can't just go to the gym. You you are home more and more and you're seeing who you chose as a partner. Oof. And so that's why it's come to a head for a lot of couples. And there have been a lot of divorces. Yep. Good. Good. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. because if you don't want to really see who you're with and you want to just pretend that your relationship is in a certain place and you're stuck at level one or level two in your relationship, you know, there's so much more. There's always more to explore in relationship because there's always more to explore with yourself. Right. Why right. do you say BS? I say yes. It brought people closer because of the proximity. Like <laughs> you said, all of the all of the shrouds, all the layers of illusion have all dissipated and are gone. And like now you have a, like a 2020 vision of like the real, real. Right. AD, so that, right. 4K. Yeah. And then it also is not. It's also kept people very distanced and socially separate. And even through the connection of Skype and this kind of interaction, it's a different type of interaction. You're missing out on the energetic uh, sensations that you can feel in a physical location with somebody else. And so a lot of that is done on a more subconscious level, but it still lets you feel more distant from your fellow man. So I would say both. And even in the same house, right? Because you can be on your phones and separate and, you know, go to separate parts of the house if your house is like that, you know? So it is both. I'd say more yes than BS for that. Number two, women need marriage to feel committed. No, no. BS. bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot the no version, but I was just like bullshit. immediately no. <laughs> bullshit. All right. Um, and then the next one is similar. You're probably going to say the same thing. Men need marriage to feel committed. No, definitely bullshit. not. Bullshit. Well, BS. Bullshit. BS. Okay. Number four, triggering your partner is a good thing. Yes, in a, it, with parameters. And it would be even thing if you got the word triggered for activated, activated. so something negative something negative whereas activated you can activate positive things you can activate negative things you can activate neutral things so being activated by your partner is absolutely a wonderful thing yes being triggered by your partner is is usually gonna cause some some chaos but actually, if you have a pre-made agreement like we do and like we teach all of our couples and individuals to do, that when you get activated, it is an opportunity for you to pause long enough to get curious about what is going on inside of me and then going, hey, I'm having a reaction. Mm -hmm. Can we work through this? And that way you can use those activations or triggers to get you into a place of desired growth. And that's what drops you down into a deeper place with your intimacy and your partner. How would you differentiate activate and triggering? So triggered is like if there's a spectrum, you know how like the visible spectrum of light yes. is just a tiny little part of the what entire spectrum yes. of light, right? Correct. Yep. It, it's like triggered is a tiny fraction of what's possible. Activated is a much wider spectrum of, so it's kind of like an enzyme. An enzyme will activate 
something to right catalyze and move and 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 there's an opportunity there for something to happen and there's no emotion attached to it it's just something is happening here some chemicals are moving and so activation can be something positive triggered is always implied that it, trigger literally is like a gun it's it's always something negative implied with being oh I'm triggered by you you know and there's something energetically about triggered that feels kind of like a victim I'm triggered like yeah. I had no control over this triggering that happened to me blame whereas right. when you're like I'm activated I'm activated I'm activated I'm taking responsibility I'm taking responsibility exactly right I'm activated right. I'm taking responsibility right. when I'm activated if you say I'm triggered you know, you're immediately like, and you're the reason. But if I'm activated, then you're, oh, what are you activated over? What happened? Mm. And so you can both be more curious. And anytime you're in curiosity, that's when you have more spaciousness, more openness, more freedom to dive in together, together, instead of on opposite sides. All right, my last one. And and I'll just, I love that. I'm always uh, anti-victimhood. That's like my you know, if I could have a license plate across my chest, that's what it would be. <laughs> Anti-victimhood. Um, because at least for me, and I see it in folks around me, some of my patients, that's just, you know, the go-to, you know, somebody else's fault. And, you know, I have no power. And it's just the complete opposite. As, as we said earlier, Julian, you know, we are in complete control and responsible for everything that happens. Being the victim, we get to be the observer. We get to kind of observe what the truth is in this situation versus being like, oh, this situation happened to me. Like <laughs> earlier, this situation happened for me. Yes. This is my opportunity here to, to, to step up and do something. And to so, grow. Yeah. And as a separate thing, Marla, not to put you out of the conversation for a second, but as a man, I just really feel like our energy is, is an active energy. It's not a passive energy. And so even for men, we really even more so need to be just very offensive, if that's a term, not offensive and like, you know, making fun of somebody, but offensive in terms of our approach to this kind of work. You know, we need to be very proactive is a better term, proactive, very proactive yes, sir. in this type of work. So for, for men and, and for women, but just, you know, that that's just my, my man thing. Anyway, uh, <laughs> last yes would be yes. And then we'll wrap it up. Being business partners and lovers is very challenging. Yes. It is. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. 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 In the most beautiful way possible. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's funny because the way that you're asking the question almost implies that that it is, is right. That it's almost a problem or, or a challenge that is not a worthy challenge to be in. But actually the way I'm receiving it is. I think it's the one of the greatest challenges to step into. Yes. I think yes. it's not for everyone because it is challenging. Yes. You know, yes. we love being together. We're pretty much together 24-7. You have to be best friends you have to be yes. best with, friends. Your, with your partner. If you're yeah. not best friends with your partner, being around them all the time is going to make everybody miserable. Yeah, yeah. So if you're not best friends, then I wouldn't go into business with your love partner unless you have very separate roles that you don't need to be in the same proximity for. Then it does work. There are ways to make it work. But um, if you have overlapping roles and you're not really best friends, there are going to be a lot more challenges. I asked the question because I I do think it's beautiful. And the, the point is, oftentimes what's difficult or what seems difficult in the beginning usually gets easier over time. 
Whereas the opposite is often is often also true, where things that seem easy in the beginning just become, uh, excuse my language, a fucking disaster <laughs> as, you, yes. as time yeah. go as time goes on. And so, it's worth people that are listening. It's worth putting in the work and doing the the dirty job that that's needed to self discover and uh, you know try to work through these things for longevity. Right? It's a it, it's short term. I say short term pain, long term gain. That that's that's really what you know, that's really what we it's have about. The same yes. <laughs> right there. Yeah. Yes. So, all right. I think that's a good place for us to to stop this this conversation. But I feel like there's a lot of synergy and more conversations can happen. Thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Very appreciative. Thank you for us. Very really appreciative. Um, Such a pleasure. You know, the world needs more love ambassadors like you two to just really help cut through some of the nonsense and, and get us back in alignment. So thank you. Tell the people how they can contact you, reach you, find out more about what you're doing, get coaching if they need to. Yeah, absolutely. You can find us on theintimacyexperts.org or at theintimacyexperts on Instagram. We'd okay. love to hear from you guys. Perfect. Please reach out. Perfect. Please reach out. All right, good people, I'm going to sign off as I always do. The truth will set you free if you let it. <laughs>